She's a business mogul. Number one. And wellness expert. How can I help? And now Chantel Ray and her amazing guests are here to guide you on your wellness journey. Time to level up. Welcome to the Waste Away Podcast. You guys, I'm so excited to be doing some short clips each day with some of the health and fasting questions that you guys ask us all the time. These are going to be very short episodes answering very specific questions. Most of the time we have long episodes with one guest, but now I'm going to be answering some of your short individual questions. Enjoy. I'm so excited to introduce to you Evan Brand, and he's going to be talking about how intermittent fasting can help with parasites. So first, Evan, for those people who don't know you that have been living under a rock, tell them a little bit about yourself. I am someone who suffered immensely uh, before figuring out my own problems and giving up on conventional medicine and then seeking out functional medicine help and becoming a functional medicine practitioner who now I've helped over a thousand people worldwide reverse their health problems by getting to the root cause, which sounds pretty cool, uh, but most people don't know what that means in the flesh. So we'll kind of tease apart some of the details. What does root cause mean? It's sort of like if you have digestive problems, you don't just take digestive enzymes. Why do you need the enzymes in the first place? Why is your GI system dysfunctioning? Why are you getting a rash every time you eat eggs? Why when you fast, do you get a headache? Why when you eat avocados, do you you know, have joint pain? You know, So you got to figure out what's underlying and, th- and that's what most people miss. And so uh, this topic today with intermittent fasting and parasites, I think it's important because most people, it, let's just say you go to a conventional gastroenterologist. First of all, their testing with uh, stool is very outdated. They use something called antigen-based testing, which is like 20 to 30 years outdated. Now we can use something called PCR DNA testing, where you're looking for the actual DNA of the bug. It's much more accurate, like a thousand times more sensitive, meaning if you go to your GP, hey, doc, I think I have parasites. They'll probably laugh at you. Oh, did you go to a third world country? No, I didn't. Uh, I had parasites personally. That was part of my health stories. I had parasites. I lost 25 pounds without trying. I thought I had cancer. Luckily, it was just infections that were robbing me of my nutrition. So I lost weight. My skin fell apart. My mood fell apart. My sleep, my sex drive, all that was affected. Uh, so the conventional people, they may laugh at you, but if they listen to you enough to refer you to a gastro doctor, they may run outdated testing on you. They may do what's called a barium scan or a barium, uh, what are they called? Maybe just a barium scan. You drink a terrible solution. You get an x-ray. They try to look into your gut. They may run an endoscopy. Uh, most hospitals don't clean their equipment very well. So you may leave the hospital just to get a routine and uh, check you, you may leave with an infection. Just just search online um, endoscopy infection or something and read about how many people do go this route. They stick a scope down your throat because it wasn't cleaned well. Now you leave the hospital with clostridia, like C. diff, which kills a lot of people every year due to the diarrhea. It's like basically incessant diarrhea that kills you. You literally poop yourself to death. Uh, and that's not very well treated with antibiotics because it's become resistant to antibiotics. 
I'm just painting the picture here before we get into yeah. our talk, right? Like where do people end up? How do they end up at, at our door? Uh, and then you go up the other end and you do a colonoscopy and they stick the camera in there and they see nothing and they say, hey, Chantel, you look fine. I don't see any polyps. I didn't see any intestinal bleeding. I didn't see any perforations in the colon. You're fine. You know, when we're talking parasites, something that could absolutely wreck your health. These are microscopic. So these conventional strategies of investigation are just inadequate. You're not going to find what you're looking for. So that's one reason that many people end up frustrated and confused about do they even have infections or not? Are parasites a factor in their health or not? If you go to the wrong person, the answer is always going to be no, you don't have parasites. If you go to the right person, somebody like me who's worked on thousands of infections and resolved them, I can tell you, you don't have to leave the country. You can be an international traveler from the food supply. Look at your organic blueberries from Whole Foods. Where do you think those come from? They come from Chile or they come from Peru or Argentina or Mexico. Where do your avocados come from? Probably Mexico. Uh, where's your avocado oil come from? Spain or Kenya or somewhere in Africa? Um, where's your grass-fed beef come from? Oh, it's New Zealand or Australian cattle. So, I mean, we're all international travelers just based on our food supply, unless you're somebody who just eats exclusively local, which no one does. So- <laughs> So this idea of, oh, you got to travel to Indonesia to get an infection. No, you don't. I have not been out of the U.S. at the time of this recording, and I had multiple parasite infections. Mm -hmm. Tap water. You can kill off a lot of things in tap water, but you can't kill parasites very well. Uh, what if you go get sushi and you get undercooked or not well handled food? You can get parasites that way. You can get it from the soil. If you have a leaky gut barrier, these parasites can penetrate into your system. So I've seen children, even my own daughter, when she was two years old, she had parasites. And so age, race, location on the planet, none of that matters when it comes to these infections. Mm. Yeah, that's so good because here's the thing. When I went to the doctor, I went to the doctor to see if I had parasites and they said, okay, well, we're going to do a stool sample. And they literally took, this was a regular traditional doctor, and they took an eighth of a centimeter, if that. That's how much stool that they took from me. Then I did a stool sample with like a functional medicine doctor and they took like in three different containers. They wanted me to take a stool sample and literally I would say probably like at least three quarters put together in three different samples. That's what they were looking at. And so like, to me, it's like, okay, if you're going to take a stool sample, that's an eighth of a, a millimeter, like there could be no parasites in that. Yep. Very well. Yeah. Very well said. And even with the functional testing, there are false negatives because think about the nature of these infections. You know, they like to burrow deep. For example, there's a parasite that I had one called cryptosporidium. The center for disease control had a big news uh, release over the summer this year of, of summer of 2019, uh, all about crypto and how they were warning people to stay out of public swimming pools because that's when crypto likes to thrive is during the summertime. It's a waterborne parasite. And think about the word crip. So you've got these crips in your intestinal wall. It's a picture like a, a bunch of the letter V all touching each other. So V, 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 that's sort of the intestinal wall. And so these are the crypts and that's where cryptosporidium likes to live. Meaning if it's hiding at the bottom of this V in the crypt of the intestine, when the stool goes across that intestine, it may not pick that bug up. 
So even the best testing in the world does have false negatives sometimes. So that's where you have to come in as a good clinician and look at somebody's case and see, okay, we've got weight loss. We've got diarrhea. We've got these symptoms. This sure sounds like parasites. Why don't we put together an anti-parasite herbal protocol and see what happens? And then boom, either all of a sudden their energy gets better, their sleep gets better, they stop losing weight. You know, all the complaints they had go away. Then you know you're you're in the right category. So I, I, I rely heavily on testing, but even then it's not good enough sometimes. You guys, if you've been listening to my podcast, you know I've been talking about masszymes, which is a digestive enzyme from Bioptimizers. And I want you to know that here's the thing. For me, having a digestive enzyme is a game changer because one of the biggest things that happens to me is I get really tired after my meal if I don't do it. And I have a problem with nutrient absorption. So if you could be eating the cleanest diet ever, but if you're not absorbing it, that's an issue. So this month, they're doing a really great special and you're going to get a free bottle of the digestive enzymes from my optimizers. And so all you have to do is pay a nominal shipping fee. That's it. No other strings attached. It's the best thing ever. So get your free bottle of digestive enzymes. It's called Masszymes. Go to masszymes.com slash wasteaway free and use the coupon code wasteaway10. That's it. So masszymes.com slash wasteaway free. Use the coupon wasteaway10. It's awesome. So let's talk a little bit about what fasting does for parasites. I had a guy who had sent me an email that said he had done a combination of a juice fast and then straight water fast for a combination of a total of 20 days. And then afterwards he was doing a a water enema with some like tea and then he did uh, lime juice. And he said that he had like spaghetti like noodles in the toilet after the enema. And they were intestinal worms. And he said that after he did that extreme fast, um, you know, he had all kinds of problems over and over again. And this was really the only thing that, that helped was doing that fast. Have you heard of any stories of different things that people have had similar to that? That's crazy. I would not recommend a 20 day fast. I certainly couldn't do it. I'm not healthy (laughs) enough to do a 20 day fast. I don't think most people on the planet are, maybe like a three to five day fast. When I use fasting as a strategy, it's typically going to be an intermittent fast. It's not even going to be a couple of days. It's going to be like maybe a 16 to 20 hour fast. For example, someone could eat dinner at 6 p.m. And we try to either have them just push their breakfast way out or just not even do a breakfast and do a late lunch. So just imagine if you go from 6 p.m. all the way to 12 noon, the following day. That is a long time. I mean, I could do the math and one, two, three, four, five, count it out. But the secret to fasting, I think what it's doing is it's starving out the bugs. And, and, and sort of my clinical approach is to hit the herbs after the fast. I can't prove this on a piece of paper, but what I've just found listening to testimonials from people after they do a fast, then they take the herbs, we see more worms come out. 
I don't know if that means the, like when we're talking about hookworm, for example, I see a lot of hookworm. I see a lot of whipworm. I see a lot of roundworm. These are some of the different types of worms you're talking about. Some I can identify. I mean, I get a lot of pictures in my inbox. Some I can look at and say, yeah, that's this worm or that worm. But just as a general rule, when we've had people do standard breakfast, lunch, dinner while taking anti-worming agents or anti-parasitic agents, we find they don't poop out as many bugs as when we do a fast where I'll just tell them skip breakfast because a lot of these people, they're so sick already, right? They're malnourished. They've had infections. They felt bad for five, 10, 20 years. I'm not going to tell them go on a three day juice fast and then try to take these herbs. Most people would just crash out, meaning their adrenals are already stressed. Their thyroid's probably already stressed. I don't want to send someone into an adrenal crash or some sort of issue just to try to get more bugs out. We can still succeed with just doing the intermittent piece as opposed to like a full long fast. I'm not opposed to the long fast. I'm just telling you what I've seen. Yeah. So what are your favorite supplements that you recommend to people when you're seeing it? Well, first let's back up for a second. What are some of the symptoms that you're seeing when if someone says, you know, well, first I want to talk about this, this number of people. I think a lot of people don't realize that they even have parasites. So what kind of percentage I've seen different studies? What have you seen as far as the number of people who actually have parasites and what are the biggest symptoms that you're seeing that people have them? So let me point out my bias, which is my bias is that people are coming to me because they don't feel well. These are not people that feel amazing. So it's not like I'm taking your average person. When I say your average person, if you look at your average person, Center for Disease Control just announced that within the next five to 10 years, they're estimating that over 50% of the US population will be obese. So I, I hate the idea of saying the quote average person because the average person is insanely overweight, extremely unhealthy, and probably on prescription drugs. So so maybe I need to rephrase when I say the average person. Let's say compare to a healthy person, maybe the parasite rate is less. But in my population, the people that are reaching out to me to get help, I would say 80%. So if I run 100 stool tests, 80 of those stool tests are going to come up with parasites. And here's the interesting thing. Parasites are rarely in isolation, meaning we often see parasites and candida overgrowth. Parasites, candida overgrowth, and bacterial overgrowth. Uh, Bacterial overgrowth like H. pylori infections, which damage your ability to make stomach acid, causing the food to rot and putrefy in your gut, further feeding parasites and bacteria. So it's rarely a stool test. Everything's clean. But boom, you got worms or parasites. That's rarely the case. So I would say 80 out of 100. But the CDC and some of the other health departments, they'll talk about, for example, H. pylori, which is not a parasite, but this is the one number I have on my head. They'll say 50% of the population has H. pylori. And I find that H. pylori can lead to parasites because, as I mentioned, H. pylori is a bacteria. You can get it from kissing, sharing cups, sharing spoons. Um, saliva, you can pass it sexually. H. pylori is a bacteria that can exist in harmony with us, but due to the antibiotics and all the food supply, people rubbing antibiotic soap on their hands, people getting exposed to pesticides and herbicides like glyphosate. Glyphosate is basically an antibiotic. It kills good bacteria in your gut. Because of all these factors, more people have parasites. So that's the interesting thing is we don't live in a world that simple anymore where it's 
do you have a bug or not have a bug? Get on this diet and everything's fine. Now, everywhere you turn, there's an assault on your gut, which is making it that much harder to stay infection-free. Yeah. You want me to go into the symptoms now? Yeah, let's talk about the symptoms. Okay. Here's the interesting thing. For me, it was weight loss, but I find for women, it's often weight gain. Sorry, Mm -hmm. women. I don't know why. Some women joke with me, oh, well, I'd love to lose 25 pounds without trying. No, you don't. Not like this because when you have infections, you're literally starving from the inside out and it's not a good weight loss. Like It feels like you're dying. That's not a good way to lose 25 pounds. So trust me, we can lose 25 pounds by getting you healthy and weight loss is a side effect of getting healthy. But I'll say weight loss or weight gain because it could go either way. Headaches can be huge. I'm going to go into the obvious stuff now, like the duh, abdominal cramping, diarrhea, constipation can happen. Some parasites and bugs speed up the gut motility. Some parasites and bugs slow down the gut. Depends on the type of bug, like Giardia, for example. It's a waterborne parasite as well. That's why I used to swim in a lot of creeks and rivers and do fun stuff like that. Crypto and Giardia are both in the water. So if you're like swimming in a river and then you get sick, you could have one or both of those parasites. Uh, I would say skin issues, meaning like skin rashes, uh, food sensitivities are common. Why? Well, because what the infections are doing is they're releasing and causing the release of inflammatory cytokines, which then take your gut and they pull your gut apart, meaning you've got intestinal permeability, also known as leaky gut. So People go on a restrictive diet, but they're missing the root cause. You got to figure out why are you reacting to all these foods in the first place? Why does gluten cause you this? Why does corn, why does rice cause you this and that? It's not just delete the food, it's figure out why. And so if all of a sudden someone starts having a lot of food issues and food allergies, we think parasites. Uh, I would say also insomnia is huge. I don't know why. I don't know if there's some mechanism with melatonin, possibly the inflammatory uh, reaction causes the nervous system to create more cortisol. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's why women gain weight because of this cortisol response due to the stress of the bugs. And when cortisol goes up, melatonin levels drop. So that may be the mechanism of insomnia, but that would be huge. Teeth grinding is a big mm, one, especially yes. for your kids. So my daughter, uh, when she was, she might not have even been two years old. Uh, But she was grinding her teeth at night. I would put her down to bed and I would check on her and I would hear her just all night, just grinding her teeth. And she didn't have a stressful day. You know, some kids will grind their teeth due to stress. Some adults, same thing. But for her, that was the clue. I thought, okay, she's had a couple loose stools. She's grinding her teeth and she was reacting to certain foods. Like we gave her like some rice uh, crackers and she would have a rash from those. We're like, okay, we've got three things against her. Ran the stool test. Boom. She had parasites. Um, anxiety is huge for infections. Of course, your psychologist, psychiatrist, they don't have a clue. They're going to put you on a benzodiazepine, which is addicting and extremely harmful, like Xanax or lorazepam or some other like tranquilizer type drug. They're not going to think, hey, you have parasites, go run a stool test. That's why you have anxiety. Depression is huge for infections. What's the mechanism? I don't know. Possibly brain inflammation creating depression. Uh, joint pain can be huge as well. Uh, A lot of people that I've worked with have been falsely diagnosed with MS or rheumatoid arthritis, but in fact, they just have infections. There's one particular uh, bacteria, not parasite, but like I said, they often happen together. There's one bacteria called Prevotella. You can just look it up yourself, P as in Paul, 
P-R-E-V, Prevotella, and just type in rheumatoid arthritis. And you'll find that about 75% of people diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis, they have Prevotella. If you treat that Prevotella, their rheumatoid arthritis magically disappears. I've mm. had people get out of a wheelchair. I've had people get off their cane. I've had people on crutches get off their crutches just by clearing out infections. There's no magic or sorcery to that. It's just clearing out the infections, creating the inflammatory response. Mm. I could go on. but What I about think, anemia and B12 deficiency? Oh, huge. Duh. I should have said that one too, right? Uh, absolutely. Anema, anemia. Uh, it could be an iron anemia as well. But yeah, B12 anemia, you've got B6 anemia, you've got folate anemias. I would say any and all anemias as well. So hair loss is going to be big for women as well because as you mentioned, think about the underlying mechanism. You've got infections stealing your nutrients. You need those nutrients to create hormones. So that's why your sex drive goes away. You need those nutrients to create hair follicles. That's why your hair falls out. And not to mention, these infections can create an autoimmune response. So when we talk about women with Hashimoto's disease, where the immune system is attacking the thyroid gland, why? One of the root causes of Hashimoto's is leaky gut. Well, what's causing the leaky gut? You work backwards again. You keep asking why, why, why? And then you get to the root. Okay, Hashimoto's, why? Well, because the immune system is going crazy. Why? Well, because the gut barrier is damaged. Why? Because of bad foods and infections. So if you clear those out, then all of a sudden you can reverse or at least put into remission autoimmune conditions like Hashimoto. So if you're tracking, hopefully your endocrinologist is smart. If they're not, then fire them, find a new one. But if they're running your thyroid antibodies and you see, oh my God, look, I've got elevated thyroid paradoxase antibodies. This means my thyroid is under attack, under attack. I have Hashimoto's. The answer is not just go on thyroid medication. It's work backwards to fix these things we're talking about. Yeah. I would add two more like itching around the anus. If it was like pinworms and then chronic exhaustion, I think the number one thing, like that if you asked any person that had any kind of parasite infection, wouldn't you say chronic exhaustion oh, would yeah. be a big I, one? I was dead to the world. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. And the itchy butt for sure, which, mm -hmm. which could be pinworms and could be candida other mm -hmm. pair, you know, parasites too. So, so it could be yeast. It could be bacteria. Uh, yeah. The itchy bum or uh, a lot of times there's something called perianal strep. So like a strep infection, streptococcus, mm -hmm. that's the same bacteria that can cause strep throat. It can also manifest on the anus. So if you've got a kid or if your spouse will let you bend them over and check them out, uh, you can look at them and see. And a lot of times you'll see on, on, on kids, especially I'll be working with a three, four, five-year-old that has behavioral problems. See, um, kids, they don't know any better. So they may go bite someone when they're mad. And instead we just like give somebody the middle finger, right? So when we look at kids' behavior, kids get blamed for just being kids. But no, if they have perianal strep, you'll see a red ring around the anus. And that tells you they've got a streptococcus infection. You can confirm with stool. And then if you give the appropriate herbs for the gut, then you can fix that infection and all of a sudden the red ring around the anus disappears, the itchy butt disappears, the teeth grinding stops, the energy levels come back, the skin gets better, the weight loss stops or the weight gain stops. So yeah, I think, I think you and I both have covered a lot of good symptoms. Yeah. So let's talk about like some supplements when someone like, is there certain things that you'd say, like when I'm looking at a, a parasite supplement, I want to make sure it has wormwood or black walnut hull or cloves or garlic or oregano, whatever. What is it that you're like, if I'm looking at this supplement, this has to be in there in order for it to be a really good parasite cleanse. Mm, good question. 
I would say I don't get too caught up on one particular ingredient. I'm a bigger fan of focusing on the synergistic effect of herbs. So I've got my own line of formulas that are called microbiome supports. So I've got various ones, number one, number two, number three, one's more for bacteria, two's more for parasites, three's more for fungus. So I often combine them because remember, as we talked about, infections are rarely in isolation, meaning this lady's, if you look at her tongue, let's say you can't get testing. She's broke. She's got no money to do testing. Have her stick her tongue out at you. What does her tongue look like? Is it nice and healthy and pink or is it covered with a white or yellow film? If it's covered, she's got yeast. So you need to factor in some yeast herbs. So this may be olive leaf. This may be Paul DeArco. I like French tarragon. I like tinospora. I like thyme, just like you cook with. Thyme is a great herb that can help with fungus. So now we've got the fungal herbs covered. Then you move on to the parasitic herbs. So this could be, yeah, as you mentioned, wormwood. Uh, berberine could be good. Caprylic acid, which can come from like coconut extracts. You can get caprylic acid supplements. Oregano can be good. Clove is wonderful. I really love clove. Uh, and then berberine. You know, berberine can come from different plants. So like organ grapefruit is one place you can get berberine from. And berberine is cool because it's not only antibacterial, but it's antiparasitic. So that's the cool thing. That's where the magic happens is when you combine herbs that have multiple benefits, meaning you could use berberine to kill bacterial overgrowth. Maybe it has some antifungal and antiparasitic properties. So when I kill bugs, I'm usually using a combination it may just be a couple different supplements, meaning like two pills of this and two pills of that. But inside of those pills, there may be five to 10 different herbs. Mm. And, and I'm not a medical doctor. So I purposely have limited my toolbox to not use antiparasitic drugs, right? You've got um, membendazole. You've got all sorts of prescriptions that I don't even have a clue about. I can barely pronounce the name of these prescription drugs, but I've had people do that and they still test positive for parasites. So does that mean that just like bacteria, parasites are becoming resistant to parasite medications that the doctors prescribe. I don't know. I think it's, I think the answer is possibly. Hmm. I want to ask you, I had, I had two friends of mine that did a three day fast and they both did, they were both trying to get rid of parasites and one, they, she drank water, herbal tea, and just swallowed high doses of turmeric, black walnut hull, and um, just some different stuff while she was on the fast. And then she had afterwards, she, you know, found spaghetti like things in the toilet and they sent me pictures of, you know, roundworms and different things that were in their digestive tract. And then the other girl, she just fasted for three days and then started taking a bunch of like, after that, she started taking a parasite cleanse after. And I, the girl who fasted for three days, then took the parasite cleanse after she did the, the fasting seemed to have done a little bit better. And I was just wondering if you thought that that was just a coincidence or was it like, if someone, if you, someone did want to try to do a three day fast, would you suggest that they take the parasite cleanse while they're doing the, the water fast or just wait until after the three day water fast and then load up on the parasite cleanse? Well, let me ask you this, the lady who did the herbs while fasting, did she continue the herbs after the fast or did she just do three days of fasting and three days of herbs and then she was done? Because I think she went for like a total, I think they both did like a week or two. 
Okay. Okay. Well, if the first girl who did the fasting and the herbs at the same time and continued on with the herbs, I, I think that's fine. I, I think you may have a little bit of an upper hand and I don't know how smart these bugs are. I think they're pretty smart. They've been around longer than humans have. I think the idea of doing a fast first to kind of prime the system and then hitting the bugs, I haven't personally tried the difference between these two. I think you can win the race. You can skin a cat in multiple ways. But the second one sounds a little better just in theory because think about if you're taking away the fuel source, you know, if these bugs are getting a constant supply of food, those herbs that are in the system during the fast, you didn't get the bugs desperate enough, right? So, and and, and is this literally happening to where, let's talk about cryptosporidium where the crypts, the, the, the crypto is hiding deep in the intestinal wall. If you do the fast first, does that mean that the bug is literally going to make its way out to try to come get some resources, glucose or whatever to fuel itself or carbohydrate. And then the herbs come in later and kill it. To me, that sounds like it makes more sense. I'll tell you, I've had, I don't know, 1,000, 1,200 at this point, men, women, children who've done none of those protocols, fasting with or without herbs. They've just eaten like a normal person, done my protocols, and we've still gotten rid of bugs. So I think- I think you can still succeed, but because you brought it up, I think the fasting first, get the bugs desperate, then hit them. Sounds like it would be a little more. Yeah. And she had, she had the better results. So, well, let's talk about a saltwater flush. Do you, uh, do you think that that's an effective short term way to cleanse the colon by causing the bowel movements? And then is that a way that you can get rid of waste buildup and parasites from your digestive tract? I would push people to do a coffee enema over that Uh, just because coffee enemas have proven benefits in terms of increasing your glutathione, Uh, glutathione being your master detox hormone, it's produced in the liver, but as you age and as you get exposed to toxins, whether it's mold toxin from living in a moldy house or working in a moldy office building and you've depleted your glutathione reserves or your diet's just lacking and you don't have enough glutathione, you know, the toxicity of these bugs can't be ignored. So these bugs are constantly making and secreting toxins. And as you start to kill them, they can upregulate those processes, making you feel bad when people talk about a quote detox or a Herxheimer reaction. That's not a good sign. That's not something that we actually look for. If someone comes to the clinic and they're saying, hey, I'm actually feeling worse Uh, We don't keep pushing forward. A lot of people, they're stubborn and they think, well, I'm tough. I'm a type A. I'm a go-getter. I'm a hustler. I'm a CEO. I'm an entrepreneur. I'm awesome. Okay, yeah, you may be awesome, but if your body's giving you a detox reaction, that means let off the gas pedal. So that would be where a coffee enema could come in and help lighten the load because once you hit that huge boost of glutathione, that'll help you deal with the toxicity of the bugs. So I haven't personally done or or recommended saltwater flushes to anybody, but I've never had a single person who's done coffee enema say that they did not benefit from them. Awesome. So let's talk a little bit, like, is there certain parasites that are associated with certain things? Like, for example, let's say someone says, look, you know, I've been going and getting my blood tested. My iron levels are extraordinarily low. I know that I'm anemic. Would that be associated with a certain type of parasite? Because the answer, that- the, the answer is maybe, but I can't say a hundred percent. 
Gotcha. I, I couldn't tell you right off. I couldn't say with enough confidence. I mean, I could try to make something up and sound smart to impress you and your listeners, but uh, I would just say any bug in general is going to rob you of nutrition. So if we see any anemias, and as I mentioned, here's the hard part too. You're asking a tricky question because, you know, that's sort of a um, reductionist view. It's kind of like if you're looking at a robot human and it's like, okay, this part over here is broken. Just pull this part out and put a new part in. It's kind of like if we look at anemia, there's probably five reasons why they have that B12 anemia. You know, it could have been the H. pylori that reduced the stomach acid. So then they couldn't digest their grass fed steak. So they couldn't get any B12. And then after the H. pylori damaged them, then the parasites stole some of the B12. And then they also had uh, Pseudomonas bacterial overgrowth and that stole some of the B12, right? So it'd be hard to really prove what bug did what. I, I don't know how you would isolate it and figure that out. Yeah. Now, is there any foods that people eat that kind of help the parasites to grow? And is there some foods that people should say, these are things, if I'm going to be eating while I'm doing my cleanse, avoid these foods? I'll probably stick with the same boring answer that people expect to hear when it comes to candida and and, uh, bacterial overgrowth, which is going to be grains and sugar. So, I mean, we're typically going to put people on a whole foods template, meaning good grass-fed pastured meats. If they're opposed to meat, at least they do some good wild-caught fish if possible, maybe some wild-caught shrimp or something like that if they don't like fish. We're going to be pushing them to do organic vegetables as much as possible, trying to minimize the burden on the gut, meaning we're going to not have people do salad at all. Number one, a lot of salad is contaminated because you go to Whole Foods and it's been sitting out on the food bar all day. And what if the refrigerator turned off and the leafy greens got too warm above 40 degrees or, you know, the, the, or you live in Florida and the Whole Foods there, it's so damn warm outside that the warm air comes and makes the salad bar too warm. And now you've got 60 degree arugula and lettuce and kale. And now those have grown E. coli bacteria, which is going to damage your gut. So, and and then it's just very, uh, it's very difficult to digest raw. So I personally don't eat and don't ever clinically recommend hardly any raw vegetables at all. If you look at just a nutrition chart of cooked broccoli versus raw broccoli, when you cook things, even lightly steaming them, you activate all the nutrients and you start to pre-digest some of those cellulose, those cell walls of the plants. So uh, it's, and you know, especially if you're looking in your stool and you're seeing anything undigested. So whether that's leafy greens in your poop or you're seeing nuts and seeds like almonds or cashews or pumpkin seeds or macadamia nuts, that's a sign you got to pull them out. So that's a no brainer. Anything undigested Mm. uh, nuts and seeds could be a problem. Sometimes leafy greens are always a big problem. I would say, I think focusing on your sulfur containing foods can be helpful because remember sulfur helps to boost glutathione and glutathione is your master detox hormone. So broccoli is great. Or if you want to do broccoli sprouts, you know, I've actually grown some broccoli sprouts. They're pretty fun. They smell terrible, right? Because they're creating a lot of sulfur. But um, my wife and I bought a little broccoli sprout tray and my daughter helped us put some soil in and you put your little broccoli seeds in there and it'll sprout in a couple of days. And broccoli sprouts are, don't quote me exactly, but I want to say broccoli sprouts contain something like 600% more uh, Mm. sulfur and more beneficial glutathione boosting compounds than broccoli itself. So if you're like, I hate broccoli, okay, you can buy broccoli sprout extract in supplement form in a capsule. And you could literally just eat capsules 
of broccoli sprout extracts to boost your detox ability. So, you know, food can be medicine. So I would kind of integrate some of those things. Mm. Um, kombucha, I would stay away from kombucha. The worst candida overgrowth I've ever seen on a woman. She had fungal overgrowth on her toes. She had super yellow, disgusting white tongue. Uh, she had major brain fog, which we forgot to mention in the symptom discussion. Brain fog is huge. Um, memory issues, forgetfulness, things like that. She was drinking like five kombuchas a day. And so you can have too much of a good thing. Same thing with sauerkraut and kimchi. You know, fermented foods are all the rage now. Everybody thinks it's so trendy to eat sauerkraut. Okay, fine. But if your gut's a mess, there is an order of operations and it might not be the right time for you to do fermented foods. So you may temporarily need to pull out kombucha and fermented foods, work with a practitioner, get your gut in better shape first. Um, probiotics, those also may be something bad. So yogurt, even if it's like an organic unsweetened yogurt with a bunch of probiotics, that is potentially a no-go if your gut is in bad shape. Sometimes you have to come in and take the weeds out of the garden. I mean, think about if you go and it's the middle of spring and your raised garden bed is completely overgrown with weeds. Are you going to go in there and just throw fertilizer on that and hope it works and your carrots turn out good and your broccoli? No, you're going to come in there and you're going to pull the weeds. So when it comes to working with gut bugs, you've got to focus on your order of operations, which is first, get the testing done, figure out what you're up against first. Don't just go online and buy some quote parasite cleanse that some lady said. You want to figure out what you're up against. I like to be scientific. I want to know, hey, these herbs got rid of that infection. Awesome. Now we can know next time we see that infection, this herb is going to be best. So get rid of the bad guys. And then later down the road, re-inoculate, bring in probiotics, bring in kombucha, bring your sauerkraut, bring your fermented stuff in. And if you get bloated, you get brain fog, you feel depressed or anxious after you have fermented foods, then you know you're not ready yet. You still got more work to do on your gut. Yeah, I want you to expand on that because I think there's lots of people who are raw foodists that say, you know, cooking kills vitamins and minerals in food. And, you know, it turns out that raw vegetables, you know, if you have some major digestive problems, that the amount of energy that it's going to take to digest that food, you know, when you cook it, it softens the food and, you know, helps your body to digest it. So talk about that for just a little, like if pretend like, and I'm not, but pretend like I was a raw foodist and I was like, you know, you got to eat raw. It, you're going to kill all the vitamins and minerals in the food if you don't eat it raw. So here's the funny thing. Rather than trying to turn it into like an emotional heated debate with the raw person, maybe a raw vegan, for example, mm -hmm. uh, I would just pull up some lab results from previous raw vegetarians or raw vegans. They're some of the most nutrient deprived people ever. Mm -hmm. Why? Well, because we have one stomach and cows have four. A cow can sit there and eat grass for 16 hours a day. And what does that cow do with that grass? That cow can turn that grass into fat somehow some, through some crazy biological process, that grass can become nutrition to feed such a huge animal as a cow. But we don't have four stomachs and we don't have the ability to eat for 16 hours a day and we have to focus on life. And so, as you mentioned, it's more energy intensive to digest and break down raw nutrients. So what I would do simply would be I would pull up some nutrient evaluation panels that we've run on people where we measure their amino acids, we measure vitamin C, we measure B6, B12, we look at uh, vitamin D status, for example, 
And I could just show you on a piece of paper, here is someone who's eating fish and or good animal meats. Here is your raw vegetarian or vegan. And what you're going to see every single time is the amino acid section. This is a, on an organic acids test. This is a, a urine test that we do. You're going to see time and time again on the raw vegan person, their amino acid profile is going to be completely flat, meaning zero, 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 zero is what's going to show up. Meaning this person doesn't have amino acids that are registering, meaning that they're malnourished. And when it comes to amino acids, you need amino acids to make your neurotransmitters. So when we talk about depression and anxiety and all that, at the end of the day, people don't care about parasites. They care about being happy and enjoying their life, right? So, so what are the mechanisms of that? Well, you've got to have good digestion and you've got to have good nutrition going in and the gut has to work properly to digest, break apart the grass-fed steak, turn those proteins into amino acids. That's what happens. The stomach acid turns the protein into amino acids. When you're eating kale, you're not getting a full amino acid profile. The vegetarian vegan people argue, well, well, hemp protein is a full complete protein. No, it's not. Pea protein. No, it's not. It's not. You can't make the brain chemistry you need. So when we look at a raw vegan vegetarian person, we'll also show the brain chemistry. And guess what? Dopamine's lower than it should be. Serotonin, lower than it should be. How do you get serotonin? You get serotonin from tryptophan. Where does tryptophan come from? The most rich source of tryptophan comes from meats. So when you see a depressed, anxious, irritable, insomniac, raw vegan, all you got to do is show them the data. And I'll just say, hey, look, I've seen 100 people just like you. Let's run the labs. Let me prove to you that you're not going to be able to heal with this diet. And then once we get the labs back, I'll tell you about 98% of people change their mind. Hmm. Except for the super emotionally driven people. They're like, right. no, Evan, I don't support factory farming. Killing animals is cruel. I'm like, okay, so what about all the poor bunny rabbits and the baby turkeys and the deer and the hawks and all the animals that you've displaced for your monoculture of soybeans? where that, that used to be a forest, and now that forest has been cut down, and you've wiped out diversity. You've wiped out the salamanders. The creek that used to flow through the woods can't flow through the woods anymore because you've turned it into a 1,000 acres of genetically modified soybean, or even if it's organic soybean, that monoculture is more destructive to the environment than the killing of a grass-fed cow. So, when you lay out the data like that, most people change, but you've still got a couple people who will battle me till the end. And I just fire them. I just say, look, <laughs> I'm sorry. We're not going to be able to work together because I, you're, because I want five-star reviews. And so far, that's all I have from people. And I don't want a one-star review on my clinic because someone didn't follow the recommendations, right? Like right. if you kill parasites in somebody's gut, but they're still a raw vegan, I don't expect their moods to be good. I don't expect their sleep to be good. I don't expect their sex drives to be good because you need those dietary proteins to make hormones and you just, you don't, you I just can't so. do it. So let's end with this. Talk about, obviously we need to get things moving. So what are your top tips for digestion and, you know, kind of getting everything to go through and healing kind of constipation. Uh, yeah, constipation is huge. As we talked about earlier, some bugs slow down the gut and some bugs speed it up. And some, this is the confusing part, is some people have both, meaning both. they have some infections that cause diarrhea. So on Monday, they woke up and had diarrhea. But on Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday, they didn't poop at all. So what the heck's going on? Well, that's where the lab testing comes in. 
But in general, for constipation, two things, super easy, super boring. Maybe you'll think they're impressive, but I, I just, I do it every day. So it's like, it's not impressive to me anymore. Vitamin C, super easy. I do a mixed ascorbate. That's what I'm drinking right here. I've got vitamin C powder and I mix it with beet powder because beet powder, it can help to increase your circulation. It boosts nitric oxide, helps your brain work better. So vitamin C, like an ascorbate, like a mixed ascorbate, like a sodium, magnesium ascorbate, this is a mixed vitamin C. This is not your emergency that you buy at the checkout counter at Walgreens. That stuff's garbage. Do you have a brand that you like? It's my brand. So people are going to say I'm biased, but <laughs> it's, called vitamin, it's called vitamin C tonic. It's just a mixed ascorbate. It has stevia and orange flavor in it. And you do a teaspoon. That's 2,500 milligrams. Most people will poop perfectly on about two to three grams. So I don't care if it's my brand or some other professional brand, but two to three grams of vitamin C per day is usually enough to poop. If not, if you're really constipated, you can go up to five or six grams of vitamin C. And if you're not pooping after six grams of vitamin C, I'm going to be really surprised. And then magnesium, there's different forms of magnesium. Some are good for the brain. Some are good for the bowels. The ones that are good for the bowels would be like a magnesium chelate, which is spelled C-H-E-L-A-T-E. Magnesium chelate can be good. You could do probably 400 milligrams would be good. Um, magnesium malate with an M as in Mary, that can help move the bowels. You've got magnesium oxide. Like if you go to Walmart and you try to buy magnesium, it's garbage. It's going to be magnesium oxide. 4% of magnesium oxide gets absorbed. This is how terrible it is. Meaning you take 100 milligrams because you heard magnesium is good for you. You're going to get four milligrams out of that 100 you just swallowed. So magnesium oxide is good for nothing except moving the bowels. And then you've got another form called magnesium hydroxide, which is what I go to. So if there's someone who is really constipated, we're going to use a blend of triphala. Uh, triphala is a blend of different fruit extracts. I think it's like three different types of berries. That's what the, some call it triphala, triphala. I don't know the exact pronunciation, but I use a combination of that plus magnesium hydroxide and that will get people pooping. Um, also, fulvic acid can be good. Um, fulvic minerals, fulvic acid, this typically comes from like volcanic rock. You can take it in capsule form. Sometimes fulvic minerals come in powder or liquid. Fulvic minerals can move the bowels. And uh, of course, good nutrition. Um, if you're eating good food, if you're eating berries, like a handful of blueberries, you're going to be having no problem. Like I don't have problems with constipation ever. I don't even think about it. So when I hear someone that hasn't pooped in five days, it like, oh my God, you haven't pooped in five days. Think about all those toxins, those parasites have been creating and here you are reabsorbing all those toxins. No wonder you feel so bad. So, you know, I just want to point this out in case it's not clear. If someone has infections, you can't just go in and start using black walnut and oregano and clove and all this stuff to kill these bugs because if the garbage man doesn't show up and the trash can is already overflowing, you got a problem. So first step, make sure the garbage man shows up. Make sure you're pooping once or twice a day. Banana size, banana shape, banana length, really. You want a good banana shape, size, consistency. I like ghost poops. Ghost poops are when you wipe your butt and there's nothing there. That is perfect. If you're wiping your butt four, five, six times, you've got a malabsorption problem you have to get resolved. This could be that if you don't have a gallbladder, you're going to have to take ox bile. Um, if you have low stomach acid and you're not digesting your food and you got real messy poops, you know, that's an issue as well. So you want a ghost poop and you want it to be the shape and size of a banana and you want one to two of those per day. And if you're not there, then you got work to do.
Awesome. Well, tell listeners where they can find you and where they can follow you and tell them, I know on your website, I saw on your, you have a list of best-selling products. So for people who are really struggling with, um, if there's any other ones that you talked about, I know you talked about the vitamin C tonic, but anything else that's on your website and the best-selling products that they definitely need to buy. And look, I'm fine to make 10 or 20 bucks here or there if somebody buys a supplement from me, but I really want you to get the one-on-one help that you need. So if it's a practitioner that you're already working with and you haven't discussed uh, parasites or infections with your practitioner, please bring that up. you know, please look at some of the testing options that I offer and ask your practitioner to run the same test on you. And if they're not qualified, then hire me and and I'll help you. I'm hesitant to say, Hey, go buy my microbiome support, which is great. Like you can, but it's still doing something to your gut. You're not just going to go on a doctor's website and buy amoxicillin and start dosing yourself with antibiotics. So all those, these are herbs and they're totally safe and have a great track record. I, I'm a little hesitant to say, hey, go buy my oregano oil and go pop it and see what you poop out. Um, I'd rather you get the help you need. Because if you're listening to this, you've already found Chantel and all of her great work. You obviously, you're trying to fix yourself. You're trying to get yourself better. So so yes, can you go buy my vitamin C? Sure, try it. I think you'll like it. Um, but I would push people more to just check out my podcast. Uh, I've done an episode every single week for the last, I think, coming up on eight years So there's hundreds of episodes. It's all free. I don't make a penny. I've covered every single topic ever when it comes to gut and your health and autoimmune disease and all that. So check out those. Just look up Evan Brand on your podcast app and you can find it. And then uh, also I do YouTube videos. I've got like 14,000, 15,000 subscribers there where people, uh, what I'll do is I'll take a topic like today and I'll try to condense that into like a 10 minute whiteboard lecture video and I'll show you some lab results and case reviews and stuff like that. So, uh, and, and the website's just my name. It's evanbrand.com, and that's where they could check out the supplements if they want to, or if they want to reach out clinically, we'd be happy to help. Awesome. And you can see people anywhere in the world. I'm super lucky. Yeah. I mean, I work from my home office. So the good news is with this type of advanced testing, except for bloods, occasionally we run blood, but blood is pretty useless when it comes to infections. We normally look for blood. Uh, we, we normally do blood at the end, like if there's an anemia problem or hair loss or something like that. But stool, urine, saliva, I mean, these labs are awesome. We send this stuff to your door, you poop, you scoop it into the tube, you send it back to the mail, uh, through the mail, you get the lab report, we review it, you make a game plan. So um, very blessed for UPS pilots to overnight <laughs> stool samples back to the labs. That's awesome. Well, you've been amazing. Thanks so much for being with us. And thanks for all you do, really. You have really just changed the way people look at health. And so I just want to say that you've helped me as well. And I just, I really am grateful for all you do for helping people and changing their health. You're really amazing. My pleasure. Well, thanks. It's always fun to get together. So I appreciate the opportunity. And you guys stay tuned because we have another episode coming up in just a minute. Hey guys, thanks for listening to today's podcast. If you enjoy the podcast, it would mean the world to us for you to leave a review on iTunes to get this podcast out to others that may have the same questions that you do. And as always, if you have a question that you want answered, email those to questions at chantelrayway.com. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.